All right, sermon title. Let's look up there and see if she did The Bride of Christ. I guess you know Jesus has a bride. Yeah, got married after he left. Um, that's a joke. So I, I got to start off by telling you where my sermon came from, which is kind of fu- funny and odd, but it, it is leading up to my, my sermon. Lisa and I actually occasionally, when we have nothing to do, we will try to find a decent movie. When we were in Virginia, we came in and it was like, 10 degrees outside or something like that and raining. Well, it wasn't raining yet. It was uh, raining the next day that afternoon. It got down and we tried, I turned on TV and I found an old Rocky movie. Now understand something. You try to find a decent movie. So occasionally just out of boredom, I I was just sitting there and, and and I watched it It was the original Rocky movie. So let me ask y'all a question just right off the bat. How many of y'all have actually watched Rocky and enjoyed it. Okay, okay, good, good. We're on the same page. You know, Tanya's back there going, I don't, I don't give a rip about no Rocky. Pride and prejudice, but not Rocky. Okay. <clears throat> now, the, the thing about it is, <clears throat> there are movies out there where there's not a lot of cussing and not a lot of sex, not a lot of other stuff, and so you try to find it. Anyway, <clears throat> during the movie, he almost beats Apollo Creed. I mean, it's like, Almost. And when I got home, I had this itch. I got to see number two. <laughs> I've got to, I mean, I, I just can't. You know, it's like they hung me out to dry. And so a couple of few nights ago, I, I went on Netflix and I found Rocky too. And I, and I can't even remember ever seeing it before. I mean, I must have missed something. I've seen the Mr. T one and the Russian one and all the other ones. But, but anyway, in, in this movie, and, and I'm watching it. Now, understand this. When you're watching a movie, or when I do, I'm aware of whether it was written by a man or a woman. If it's written by a woman, it is going to be different. All the men are looking to be going, yeah, it is going to be different. Pride and Prejudice was a good chick flick. Because the girl writing it did include character in the movie. She's it's the poor girl marries the rich guy. But she's not getting married because he's rich or handsome. She's not getting married if he doesn't have any character. And so the whole foundation of the, of the movie is I'd rather be single than marry some just to get married, just to get married. So anyway, enjoyed that movie. Um, I've seen it about 100 times with Lisa. No, not really. But now on the Rocky movie, it's written by a guy. You know, Sylvester Stallone wrote them. And if you go back and study, it really wasn't supposed to make any money. And he wasn't doing well financially when he wrote it. And he starred it. And, and it made him money. So having said that, there is a, the, the point of it is this kind of a bum from the Bronx a nobody, married to a nobody, with no education and not a brain in his head, is, gets a chance to fight the heavyweight champion of the world. And his goal was not to win it, but just to last. And he did. He did. And early in the, early in the movie, uh, um, what's his name? Um, what's his name he's fighting? Um, yeah, Apollo Creed, that's it. 
Creed says, the, the, his manager looked at him and said, he's not playing with you. Now, Rocky's went at it full bore. Paula Creed's playing. So having said that, he went 15 rounds with him. Then the rumors began that Rocky beat him. Well, Paula Creed can't handle it. By then, Rocky's married. This is, a, this is the fun part of the show. He gets married to Adrian. Adrian! It's, there's just things that stick out. And she had made a statement, I don't ever want you to fight again. Because he came out looking like he got run over by a Mack truck. And uh, his eyeballs all closed up and all kind of stuff. So he made a decision not to fight, not to ever fight again. And, of course, then he gets to spending all of his money until their flat don't have any. Now he's got to go back in the shipyard and go to work. So during this time, the Creed starts talking about, I want another rematch. And his wife says, now here's the part that I've got to get to because it's my sermon. It gets in the sermon. You promised me you'd never fight again. And he's got to if he's going to support his family. And his, what he says to her is, I'm a man, and I've got to be a man. Now, y'all may have missed that. All the women did. The men did not miss that part. And he doesn't fight because of her. She, she um, ha- has a, she's working in the pet store. She falls. She uh, goes into a coma, miscarries. I mean, not miscarries, but has the baby a month early. But when he comes out, he's already determined for her he's not going to fight. But what is um, his, his cousin or whatever his name is, Pauly, he came in and kind of chewed her out and said, let me tell you something, lady. He's a man, and you're going to have to turn him loose and let him be a man. You can't protect him. And whether you understand that or not, we're going to talk in a minute about Jesus and his church. Um, when, she, when she comes out of the coma, she looks at him and says, you go win. And she, and she puts his, her stamp of approval on him going and doing what he wants to do. Now, I, I said all of that for a very good reason. I'm not just in here to tell you about a movie you didn't see. We've created in our society today, we've got marriage is a mess. And, and, and we've, we've created that. We've helped create it. Uh, there was a time when, when the man went to work and the woman stayed home. And I'm not here to tell you that that's what you should do. But I'm, I'm just telling you that there was a time when a man was a man and a woman was a woman and a woman did. And there was just the, there was role models in society. And, and, and our society, because, you know, women were told that you can do what a man can do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. No, you can't. You were never designed to do what a man does. You were designed to do what a woman does, which is something a man can't do. And there's other words that we have used. We've adopted them. When you, when you start talking, and I'm going to do a marriage thing on Sunday morning once, and I'm, okay, and, and I'm going to name it Happy Home. And we're going to talk about getting back to the way God intended your marriage to be. But a lot, of, a lot of what's happening in our homes today is because society has really messed it up. 
uh, women are told, you know, I mean, you, you use the word submit around a woman, and she'll slap you for cussing. Yeah, don't you even talk to me. That ain't no doormat. And because of that, that mindset has entered the church. And it, it's not, it's a mess. Uh, so I want to preach on, your, on, on Jesus and his bride. I am going to dive into marriage a little bit, but I want to I read something to you and show you something about how Jesus interacts with you, you being his bride. Okay, in other words, we're going to go someplace very important because people are always praying for move of God. Um, anyway, we'll get into that. So start with the book of Ephesians, and we're going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 22. Now, uh, let, me, let me don't start there. I want to go down to verse 32. I'm going to read this first for a reason. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. When I used to read this passage, I had some kind of an idea, and I don't know where I got it, that Paul is writing the book of Ephesians, and he comes up and he goes, okay, I want to write about marriage so that you'll know about marriage. And, he, and that's not true. That He did not do that. When he's writing the book of Ephesians, he's actually describing your relationship to Jesus. Then he goes into the marriage side, assuming that because you understand marriage, he can use marriage to explain something to you about you and him. Did that make sense to what I just said? He's using something that they did understand to explain something they don't understand. And he uses marriage as a means to say to them, just like a husband and a wife is Christ and his church. In other words, if you can understand the relationship between a man and a woman and a, and a thing called marriage, you can understand the body of Christ and Christianity. Did that make sense to you? Okay, because that's where I want to go. So having said that, he said, now, I, I, there's a great mystery. I'm speaking of Christ and his church. Now, let's go back up to verse 22. Wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, they know this. They know. We don't. They did. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify, cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh and nourishes, cherishes, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, flesh of his, uh, of his flesh and of his 
his bones. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So he's going down the list and talking about marriage and, and the fact that you know, you know this. Now, in their culture, you got to go back 2,000 years to the fact the woman stayed home. Women then weren't even educated. They didn't even go to school. That is the reason why when you're reading your Bible, it says don't allow a woman to speak in church because there was a man section and a woman section and a woman wasn't allowed in the man section. A woman during this time was a notch above cattle. So you understand that she has, you know, when we read the story of Jesus and, and, and uh, Jesus is 12 years old and they get home and notice Jesus is gone. Men didn't travel in the, in the caravan with women and women didn't travel in the caravan with men. They had, there was no Hallmark movies. None of that existed. There wasn't, there was not a, this romanticism all about marriage. They had roles. Now, was there love? Yes, there was love. But you married, you married for life. Um, when a man was in, got engaged to a woman, and he did that through her father, they were married. Until they consummated the marriage, which means he left and would come back, and the only thing they had to do is consummate the marriage by having sex. Now, a, a, a lot of that has changed, but now Paul is writing to them and going, now you understand all of this. Now, having said that, there is a relationship between us and Jesus, and we are depicted as the feminine side, even though men are considered a bride of Christ. There is still a relationship between us and the Lord, and the Lord and us. All right, now having said that, because there, are, there is an issue with this thing called respect. Y'all, were, y'all just almost jumped out of your chairs. There are issues in the body of Christ today concerning the way Jesus operates in the middle of his church that is lost. A lot of, lot of things we, we're asking for, we're praying for, we're looking for. And, and, and until you understand the way he views you, you may or may not ever get it. Okay. Now, having said that, I want to go back up there. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Now, you, ever, you read the scripture, it says, submit to the, uh, to, to the Lord. Resist the devil. Yeah. There, there, when a person gets married... There was the giving of self. You gave yourself away. That means that you're answering to that man on where you are and what you're doing and and vice versa. So the the issue here is, and and the Greek word there could, could better be translated adapt to your own husband. That means that there is going to be uh, an an adaptation. Now, now we're going to get into the negative of that in a minute, and I'm going to show you it isn't negative at all. Okay. Now, 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 go with me to 1 Samuel 25. All right. 1 Samuel 25. 
We're, we're going to study the roles of men and women in the Old Testament and marriage. And, and through this, I'm, I'm going to make a point tonight so that you can understand something about you and Jesus. Okay. 1 Samuel 25, verse 2. Now, understand, I'm going to read more than normal. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Because, it's, because i got to paint a picture in your soul of what, I, of what it is I'm trying to get across. Now, let's start with verse 2. There was a man of Moan, of Moan whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of that man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. She was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Now, as we're talking, I'm going to pull out of the Bible a bad guy, and I'm going to pull out a good guy. I'm going to talk about a good woman, and then later we're going to talk about a bad one. So that you understand that when you start talking marriage, any time that you bring up the word marriage in a church, you are most likely in your mind to go to your marriage, not marriage. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I just said? Because the thing that you relate to in marriage is the person you were married to. And a lot of it taints you. You know, like, well, men. No, that man, not men. And, and because of that, you have a predisposition on the subject. All right. So whenever you start using the word, or I start using the word like wives submit, you are going to react one way or the other. Like, heck no, ain't ain't no doormat, don't talk to me. I just booked a bad Wednesday night to come to church. (laughs) And all you've done is tell me your, your last decision was not good. Okay. Now, now understand something. We're going to read a story about the fact that Nabal was not a good man. And we're going to learn that Abigail is a good woman. But before I start reading, I want to make a statement to you about, a good, about what it means to be a good woman for just a minute. She's not good because of who she's married to. She's good because she's good. He's not bad because of who he's married to. He's bad because he's bad. Now, y'all need to understand that. Because when you start talking body of Christ, and you start talking we're the bride of Christ, and we start talking about marriage, you need to understand that the way you act is you. You're not submissive because you have a good husband. You're submissive because you are submissive. You're submissive whether he's good, bad, or ugly. A man should be a man whether his wife is good or bad. He should be 
a, a good man. Do y'all understand that? Do y'all get that? I got to go here before we can talk about Jesus and you. Boy, y'all are quiet. You've already got me preaching. The name of the man was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good character and understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. David sent young men, and David said to the young man, go to Carmel up in Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall, now what does he mean in my name? Well, let's, let's do a little precursor to the story. Who is David? Right now, he's been anointed by Samuel the prophet to be king. He knows it, and everybody in Israel knows it. All right, now, now instead of Saul and David, let's say Biden and Trump. Well, y'all excited. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that there's always a contention going on between parties. Did you notice there's always the, the people who are for Saul, which is a bad king. And there are people who are for David, who's the, I'm, I'm gonna let you do your own political analogy right here. I'm not gonna go there. But do you understand that what we're about to start reading is that right now in Israel, there is a war going on between David and Saul. David being the man that God anointed in Saul's place, Saul being the one who hates David because God has anointed him and he knows he's losing the throne. And Jonathan, his son, should be taking it, but he's in covenant with David. Now, though David is not on the throne, everyone in Israel knows he's the king. Let's go, let's go natural. Everybody in America knows who the president really is. Thank you. I finally got stirred a little bit here in this church. But see, this stuff's, this stuff's been going on for 6,000 years. Yeah. There's always been a war between right and wrong, good and evil, and the good, the bad, and the ugly. I call it cowboy movies. are going good, the bad, and the ugly. There was three guys. I don't know who ugly is. Y'all figure that out. All right. When David heard in the wilderness, Nabal was sharing sheep. Now, David is out acting like a king, and he is roaming around the country with 600 men. And he's got a small army, but he's protecting Israel from bad, from the Philistines, which we call Palestinians now. Y'all yeah. are so fast. <laughs> Haven't heard any really big ones lately, but I have heard about them falling lately. Help me with this. David sent 10 men and said, I want you to go to Nabal. And greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you and your house and all you have. 
I've heard you've been sharing. Your shepherds were with us. We didn't hurt them. There's nothing missing. While they were in Carmel, ask your young man, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young man find favor in your eyes, for we will come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and your son David. Now listen to his, listen to his reply. So when David's young man came and spoke to Nabal concerning all the words, the name of David, and waited, and Nabal answered the servants and said, Who's David? Oh, he knows who David is. Who's David and who is the son of Jesse? Who is Jesse? All right, now understand, this is a Biden supporter. Get that hat off your head. What in the who? Never mind. Who? David, who? I don't know any David. So we know where he stands politically on the Saul David thing. Okay. Who is this son of Jesus? There are many servants nowadays who broke away from their master. He's just a punk that ran off from his master. I'm not helping him with anything. All right. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat and I have killed for my shares and give it to men? I don't know even where you're from. There's an attitude going on here. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back and they came and told these words to David. And David said to the men, every man gird on your sword. He don't know who I am. He will by sunup. Because I'm going to kill him. Now, David, you understand? Now, you, now, now I, know, I know already. L- let me make a statement here about men, manhood. That's lost. Our society has lost this. A man is a warrior. And, he, and let me tell you why he's a warrior. Because God made him a warrior. And as a woman, stop trying to turn him into a woman. Thank you. Now, I'm going I'm to get into this a little bit more. Can y'all handle this? Even our society today, what's going on in, the, in, in, in Israel... The Jews are being mean. Oh no, they didn't start the war. They didn't start the last 12. And, and the fact that 50, there's never been a war, never in the history of the world, that four citizens didn't die for every bad guy. It's the nature of war. In Israel, it's one-on-one. They're doing a phenomenal job of restraining themselves, looking for the bad guys. But as long as the people are hiding the bad guys, they're in harm's way. But if they don't stop it, the war will never end. For the sake of the innocent, you're going to have to go get these guys. Are you all out there? That's the world we live in. Now go back to my Rocky movie. Adrian married a man. 
She married a man who needs to be a man, and she gets in a coma, and he quit to please her. In other words, she needed to look at him and go, you go do what you do. Get over. Ladies, I'm talk to you about your sons. When they hit age, let God do his job, not you. Quit protecting your sons from harm. They must become men. And you might become the enemy. And women, if a man ever yields to you, it is the reason he sits on the couch and gets fat. Don't shout me down. He's either going to be a man or he's going to be a couch potato. But he's not going to fight you. It got quiet in here. My God. I, I told you we're, still, we're going to go back to Jesus and his church before we get out of here. I'm going to tell you where I'm going. God will never do a thing in your church until the reverence is there. I just gave you the punchline for the night. There's a lot of stuff people are praying about. And he is going to be Lord. Or he's not coming to your church. You can pray all you want to. Until you give him free reign to go whip the bad guy if he wants to. And, and to run his church the way he wants to run it. He can find another building to go to. Never mind. I went way ahead of myself. Since you know the punchline, just hold on with me because I'm going to show you some stuff. Are you ready for this? You ready for the rest of the story? This is better than staying home tonight. Who is this David? Anyway, okay. Verse 13, David said, every man gird your sword. Every man girded his sword, and David also girded his sword. And about 400 men went with David. 200 stayed with the supplies. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, She's a good woman. Saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as they accompanied them. And we were in, our, in the fields, and there, were a, there was a wall to us both at night and day, all the time we were with them keeping sheep. Now therefore know and consider what, will you, what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against the household. He is such a scoundrel, no one can even talk to him. All right, now this is Abigail's husband. All right. Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves of bread, two, wine, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seeths of roasted grain, 200 clusters of raisin, 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, you go before me. I'm coming after you. And she did not tell her husband where she was going and what she's about to go do. All right, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Why is she doing this? 
Number one, it's the right thing to do. Number two, her whole household is about to die. All of her servants are going to die, and everything she owns that's precious is about to get lost. And she's about to stop it. Not because she's after David, but because she's good. Do you all understand? It's very important what I'm telling you right now. All right. I'm sorry I lost my place. So it was as she rode the donkey, she went down under the hill, and David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. And David said, surely in vain I protected all that this fellow has in this wilderness, so that nothing is missing of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. He's on a mission. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed to the ground. Is that proper? Well, y'all got quiet. Now, most of the women in here going, not me. Well, you to be dead. Because he is the king. He is the king. She fell at his feet and said, on me, my Lord, and me, let this iniquity be. Please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the word of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. That's her husband. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men when my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present which your maidservant brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow the Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. She knows who David is. All right, now listen to the rest of this, because what she's about to say, yet a man has risen to pursue you. No, she's referring to Saul. Seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living and the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies shall be slung out as from a pocket of a sling. She's referring to Goliath. We know about Goliath, and we know about you. And let me just tell you something. I'm on your side. This is food for you and your men. Please don't come to my house. Now, she is doing something very noble. And I said this a while ago. I want you to understand, she was a noble woman before she met David. She didn't become that because she heard he was coming. You're evil. You're either, as you sit here right now, have made up your mind, you're going to serve God or you're not. You need to quit trying to change people that don't want to be changed. Recognize where people are in their walk with God because they're not going to just change. Okay. Now, now let's, let's move on. Tell me where I was, Barbara. 30. 30. 
And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord, according to all the good he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that you will, that there will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord. Either you have shed blood without cause, or my Lord avenged himself, but the Lord has dealt well with my Lord. Remember me. Smart lady. Don't forget I'm out here. And David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me and blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you've kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself at your own hand. For indeed as the Lord God of Israel lives who's kept me back from hurting you. Now he wouldn't have harmed, they wouldn't have harmed her physically. But do you think she'd have been harmed if she woke up and everybody in the house is dead? Yeah. yeah. What happens to the farm? Come. Okay. Unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light no males would have been left to Nabal. And David received from her hand what she brought up and said to her, go in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and I have respected your person. You've earned my respect. Now Abigail went to Nabal and therefore he was holding a feast in the house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him for he was drunk. Therefore, she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. She's fixing to have a talk to him. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, his heart died within him, and he became like stone. Honey, David was on his way with 600 men. You would have ticked off the wrong person. But I stopped him. Now understand, he's like, oh crap. When it happened after about 10 days, the Lord struck Nabal. No, no, understand this. Sometimes you need to let God fight his own battles. And when David heard Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord who has pled the case of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail. That's the point. Go get her. I'll need a wife. That's the point. Good night. <laughs> what did she do? What did she do to cause David to say, I want to marry this woman? She's submissive, she's humble, she's not a nag. A man cannot be a king, or he can be a king if he has a good wife. And she has to know where she fits. He's got another wife. We're going to read about her in a minute. She's a different cookie. Now, now look, look. do you remember in the book of Ephesians it says that where did Jesus set you at his own right hand with him? How do you get there? Respect. Reverence. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. Listen to what I'm going to say right now. 
until reverence returns to the church for the things of God. You're not going to see a move of God. David saw when he met her, she didn't become respectful because she met David. She was respectful when she had a bad husband. You're either respectful or you're not. And when he met her, he went, she would make a good wife. Now, where was she sitting after that? At his right hand. Who put her there? He did. Now, let me make a statement to you about marriage for a moment. There are places, ladies, you will never go if you don't marry a good man and he puts you there. You were not designed to run your house. A man is a warrior, and you need his strength, and you need to let him use his strength for you. Let's talk about Jesus now. You can't save you. You can't heal you. You can't bless yourself. If he doesn't do it, it will not get done. One of the things that we are going to have to do is start coming back in church. And even though on Sunday morning I'm talking about who you are in Christ, he did that. Everything you are and everything you ever will be will begin when the knee is bowed. I'm doing good. I see y'all didn't realize that we were going here tonight. This is one of the things that you and I must grab a hold of in the day that we're living in. He's God. Now, let's go back to my Rocky movie. His wife ain't whipping nobody. She got in a coma working in a feed store. And as long as she told him no, he's going to the docks and working in the docks. And not until she looked at him and said, go be the man God called you to be. Did she ever go anywhere? Now, we'll we'll finish this during this marriage seminar that I'm going to (laughs) do. Men don't do what they do because you nag them. They do what they do because you serve them. If you're smart, you'll get behind him, not on top of him. A man is capable of far more. He's anointed to be the head. He's anointed to run the home. You, woman, are not. You are anointed to take him where he can't go without you. You saw how dumb David was. He might be bad, but he don't, he's not too bright. Abigail helped him out. Good woman is of great value. Okay, now, y'all got quiet on me. Y'all. This is an American church, and I understand it. The American family is out of order. You want to know the number one key to getting your kids in church? 
Dad needs to serve God. When dad is serving God, eight out of ten kids serve God. When dad does not, two out of ten serve God. He's the head. And you might go, I don't need him. Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Serving him is the best thing you will ever do for yourself. Let him kill himself. Never mind, y'all didn't get that. A man will kill himself for a good woman. When you get in his way, he might kill you. There's a lot of arguments that go on that don't need to take place between a husband and a wife. He doesn't need to be told how to do it. Never mind. That's awfully quiet in this Baptist church, but that's okay. I got more to do. Go to 2 Samuel, I think. Yeah, 2 Samuel 6. While you're going to 2 Samuel 6, go to, I'm going to turn to James. And you know what? I understand quiet. It means I hit a nerve. The, the feminist movement in America, it screwed this nation up. And do I believe that we're going to get it all back in a year or two? No. The only ones that are going to get it back are the people who want it back. You do house. You, you do it right. So ladies, you, since, he, since you're not going to change him, find a good one to begin with. A, a, a good man should be capable of being dangerous. If he's not, he's a wuss. It's called controlled dangerous. Well, y'all, y'all, men help me out here. They, the women are just looking at me like, I don't want him to be dangerous. Yeah, you do too. When there's a bump in the night, tell him to get his gun and go out and see what it was. When there's problems, call him. And when there's not, cook for him and take him to bed. Never mind, that went over like a lead balloon. Can I'm going to make a statement to you right now. Man's number one need is what? Sex. Men like women. Take care of him. Do you, I'm over here. There's no reason for him to go looking for anybody. You cut him off. Mrs. Jones, who screwed up two marriages, is at work hitting on your husband. Do y'all understand what I just said? And then you're wondering what in the heck is wrong with our nation. We need a class on women learning how to love their husbands and how to be a female. Is that all you want? No. There's one other thing he wants. Food. Just look at me and tell me I'm doing all right. I just, I got to have somebody look at you. Okay. 
Is that all you want? No, I'd like some dinner too. <laughs> James 4, 6. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. I think I'm in the right spot. Yeah. That's First Peter. I'm in First Peter. I'm, I, I got to go to James. I'm in the wrong book of the Bible. Four six. But he gives more what grace. God resists who, and he gives what to the humble. Grace. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. Don't don't start. Don't. I bind you, cancer. If you're not submitted to God, hush. It ain't gonna work. Take authority over cancer all you want to by God, but if you're not submitted to God, whatever you say ain't working. Now, where I'm going tonight is basically our submission to God. I'm not talking about marriage tonight, even though you thought I was. Never mind. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. You cleanse your hands. Now, you're talking to Christians, sinners, purify your hearts, double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. That right there is the key to any move of God you want in your life. You are God and I am not. What do you want me to do? Remember Abigail. Because when he got finished with her, she's the queen. Now, I want you to understand. Now, let's go to our political scene. What is Trump's wife's name again? I keep Melania. Melania. Have you ever noticed you don't hear anything out of her? Do you know why? She didn't have to say nothing. Trump says enough for both of them. All she's got to do is feed him and take him to bed. He will do his job. She doesn't need to run for office like Hillary, who had a loser for a husband. What about, what about um, Ahab and Jezebel? What happened there? He marries her and she walks in and takes his throne and screwed the whole nation up. Boy, y'all. Every time I see her, she just walks up and goes, and I'm going, that's a nice dress. And she goes, and that's pretty much it. But she doesn't have to do anything. Neither do you. As the bride of Christ, you know what you need to do? The less you do, the better. I got to fix this problem. No, you don't. I don't know what I'm going to do about this sickness. Nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do about these bills. Nothing. You're going to get on your face and go, you're God and I'm your bride. And I have a lot of bills, and they're your problem. I'm going to sleep. But then, when it comes time for the bedroom, get naked. When he calls you, get in there and take everything off. And say, what do you need? That's called your prayer time. Don't do it with everybody, just Jesus. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. And there's nothing he can't do. I told you we was going to finally get excited tonight. The rest of it, y'all are going to have to think about for a while. 
All right. Oh, my God. I hate that clock. Second Samuel 6. Oh, I messed up. Did you know that, that David had, had another wife? Do you know who she was? Saul's daughter. Do you think she was anything like her dad? Absolutely. Second Samuel 6. David got the, the Ark of the Covenant, bring it into Israel. In verse 16, uh, then verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came in the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She thinks her dad's still king, and she thinks she's special. Well, come over here and pray. Go over here and preach to you, Melanie. Being Saul's daughter, don't amount to hill beans. She's David's wife. And now she's despising the king because he's worshiping God in the Pentecostal church. In other words, this don't look nothing like my church. But he's not doing it for her. The difference between David and Saul, Saul was a man pleaser. David was not. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle. And David erected it and David offered burnt offerings, peace offerings. And David finished offering peace offerings. And he blessed the people of the Lord. And he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, men and women, everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. And all the people departed, everyone to his house. And David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering yourself in the eyes of the maids. Who? cares. Think about what I'm saying. What does that mean to him? It means nothing to him. What does it mean to her? It should mean nothing to her. Say disrespect. Disrespect. One's respectful. One's disrespectful. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house and appointed me ruler over the people and over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will even be more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. And as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, I will be held by them in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children after that day. She became barren. What happens to Christians? What are you doing? Why do you act like that? Why do, I mean, there, I, don't, I don't see any need to, to do that in church. Don't you see people are watching you? I didn't do it for your sake. 
Well, y'all are quiet. Let's do one more. I got time. Second, Judges 16. Go to Judges 16. We'll talk a little bit more about Are y'all ready? 16.4. Samson, afterwards it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. We all know the story. She did not love him. But he was in love with her. We're going to read a little bit of this and we're going to make some comments. And the lords of the Philistine came to her and said, Entice him. Find out where his great strength lies. By what means we may overpower him that we may bind him and afflict him and every one of us give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Really? This doesn't sound like love to me. Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and what you could be bound with to afflict you. Now understand this. Samson likes what? Women. All men like women. All men like women. But there are good ones, and there are bad ones. There are Abigails, and there are Michaels. And a lot of times men pick a woman because she's hot. If she knows she's hot, she's the wrong one. Our society today, women get paid a lot of money to undress. It's about the money. Many women will flirt with you because she's pretty. The book of of Proverbs said, she will kill you and take you to hell. The Bible says more about immoral women than it does men. We're talking about the bride of Christ. We didn't change subjects. That he married before, wrong woman. That marriage didn't work. Let's talk about marriage again for a moment. And I'm, and I'm going to hit a nerves. Just if, if this is you, don't, don't hit me with anything. When a man gets a divorce in America today, most of the women, not all, soak him. He loses pretty much everything, or a good, a good portion. Lose the house, lose everything. If he marries again because he wants sex and does it wrong again, he'll never do it again. There's enough women out there that will serve him, live in his house with him, and go to bed with him and not be married, but he's not marrying again. He can't afford it. That's, a, that's our nation. You're looking for a man? They're not easy to find. The good ones have been soaked. It's just, and I'm not just picking on women right now. I mean, it's, it's true. It, the whole society is messed up. People marry for selfish reasons. A lot of it's just me. We're seeing this with Delilah. Now, I'm going to show you something about Samson, and, and we're going to talk about the church here. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings, not dried, I'll come out weak like any other man. The Lord's, he ought to have learned this. He's not, he's like Rocky. He's not real bright. 
And the lords of Philistines brought up seven fresh bowstrings, dried, bound him with them. And the men were lying in wait in the room. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he broke the bowstrings like a strand of yarn touches fire, and his strength was not known. And Delilah said to Samson, look, you mocked me. You told me lies. Please tell me what you can be bound with. I'm like, don't tell her. And he said to her, if they bind me with new ropes, that didn't work either. Verse 13, Delilah said to Samson, until now you've mocked me. You told me lies. Tell me what you can be bound with. And she said, if you weave seven locks of my hair, that didn't work either. Verse 15, and she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me three times and you have not told me where your great strength. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily her words and pressed him so his soul was vexed to death he told her all his heart he lost his consecration to God now where are we going here now listen to me carefully the book of Proverbs refers to the wisdom of the world as being feminine the world we live in is not your friend The lack of consecration in the church today is the reason for the lack of miracles. The lack of the anointing. The church started off with a shadow of a man of God healing people. We can't hardly get a person healed if you poured 55 gallon drums of olive oil over his head. And people are sitting around going, why God, why? I went, y'all went quiet on me again. Samson hair grows back, but slowly. He had to learn his lesson. He was in love with her. But it was a one-way street. The world you and I live in does not love you. Thank y'all. Get out of bed with it. Book of James says adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God? Um, John Bevere wrote a book called The Fear of God or Reverence for God. If there's no power, go back to your reverence time alone with God. That's the secret to the power of God. David put her, Abigail, in a seat. Jesus will put you in a seat. Every man and every woman in the body of Christ today that's ever done anything for God had a prayer life like you would not believe. I was talking to Jim Hockaday the other day, and he kind of helped inspire me to preach this. He said, Brother Hagin said before he died, the modern-day charismatic movement lacks consecration. Kumbaya, baby, kumbaya. I love preaching Sunday morning on who you are in Christ. You must know it. I love preaching on what he did for you. You must know that. But that's his love for you. That's not yours. When you want to see the move of God and, 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 and become, go back and read Hal Abigail won David. 
She was submissive when the guy was bad. She was submissive, period. Are y'all out there? So they came in to get Samson, and he did not know that the anointing had left him because he gave his heart away. Way too much of the world. Are y'all okay? In the church. Now let's come back to marriage for a minute. You don't need but one man. Don't divide yourself up. You don't need but one woman. You don't need but one Lord. No matter where you are or what you're doing right this minute, you make sure that you understand that everything you have ever wanted in this life is going to come because he's going to give it to you. If he doesn't give it to you, you're not going to get it. Working seven days a week will not pay your bills. All the stuff you're worrying about, fretting, it, it, it doesn't work. I said all tonight to say this. We worry too much. We're too in bed with the world. When someone says we're having a meeting, listen, I look up on Sunday morning, we got Jim Hockaday here, the building's packed. Next week, half full. Where are you? Oh, that's busy. No, you were not. You're unsubmissive. You're unrespectful. And you lack fear, the fear of God. I'm going to tell you one more story. Most of the guys, um, Jim Baker. John Bevere, Jim Baker got a hold of John Bevere's book. And he called John Bevere and said, would you meet me in prison? John Bevere thought, Jim Baker, I, I, I'll, I'll go see him. And he goes in to see Jim. Now, Jim's out of prison now. He said, I loved your book, and I need to ask you a question. Did you write that book, or did someone else write it? He said, no, I wrote it. He said, I wanted to meet the man that wrote that book. And, he, and so Jim... John Bevere said, when did you stop loving the Lord? He said, I never stopped loving God. He said, when you were in adultery, you still loved God. I loved him. I did not fear him. Thank you, Barbara. They're not the same thing. You come to church because you got something you want God to do. He wants a wife. He wants a bride. He's already got it. He can take care of you. Now, I beat around the bushes tonight to preach a simple, a simple thing. Reverence and submitting to the Word of God is the key you're looking for. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening around you, the key for you. We have women that come to this church a lot and they're living with a man and they want Jesus. After a while, they get uncomfortable. Oh God, I'm living with a guy. Let me help you something. He can pay your bills. The Lord can pay your bills. Do what's right. 
I'm going to give you a secret. That man wants sex. He'll marry you if you'll put your foot down. He also likes to eat. And he's already got you trained. Don't back up. Don't back up. Listen, are y'all, all, are y'all out there? Y'all went real quiet on me. Don't be afraid to please God. Don't be afraid to obey God. Well, what if I lose? You won't lose anything. Abigail wasn't worried about losing her husband. She did what was right. Always do what's right. Y'all are quiet. I'm one minute early. I use my Wednesday nights to go a little deeper with you guys because the time you're living in right now, it's fixing to get tough. This nation, this world, it's, you're going you're gonna to need prayers answered. If he's on your side, you're in good shape. If you're playing a game, you're in a trouble. You're in a heap of trouble. So how'd I do? So now many of y'all are going to go home now and say, I got to watch that Rocky movie. Once she said, you go win, he did it for her and himself. God will do anything you want him to do. He's good God. And he wants a bride. He wants a wife that loves him. That's what he died for, a wife that loves him. That's a powerful statement. Father God, I have, (laughs) I don't know whether I helped them or made them mad. I know I got on some of their marriage issues that we need to work on that in this nation, major. It's not all that difficult, though. It's quite simple, actually. When I pray in the sound of my voice right now, everybody's sitting in this room. They've got things they're praying about. You have the answers right there in James for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and let you do the lifting. Let you do the. Let you do what you do. You're the healer. You're the blesser. You're the one that lifts us. I pray that we leave tonight and go, I will never forget that sermon in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.